Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I will be talking with Rita Coulson about grief and brain injury. This episode is brought to you by the Functional Neurology Center, a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are leaders in neural recovery and experienced in treating complex concussion cases that include dysautonomia, vertigo, dizziness, whiplash, and migraine. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health in the Midwest. They have greatly helped me and many others. You can find them online at thefunctionalneurologycenter.com. Hello, I am Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Goodman Project, and I volunteer on the Brain Injury Association of America's Advisory Council. And my second book, Embracing the Journey, Moving Forward After Brain Injury, recently received a silver medal in the Midwest Book Awards. You can learn more about me and the podcast series at facesoftbi.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Velmer. And don't forget to join my Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Rita Coulson, and Rita has worked extensively with kids and adults suffering from loss due to a parental or spouse completion of suicide, murder, or death due to natural causes. She has participated as a member of multiple crisis teams in response to traumatic events involving adolescents from regional communities. Rita co-directed a season at Camp Erin for children suffering the loss of a loved one. She created and directed kids camps for the Richard Lambert Foundation, as well as one-on-one counseling for children, adults, and families experiencing relationship loss due to death. Rita also mentors young counselors and practitioners who routinely interact with those experiencing grief. Rita's thoughts and analysis of the grieving process and its parallels with traumatic brain injury can be found in Chapter 7 of the recently published book by Joanne Cohen, Getting Hit, Getting Up, Moving Beyond, My Journey Through Brain Injury. Additionally, Rita delivers workshops for caregivers focusing on compassion, fatigue, self-care, and emotional validation. So Rita, welcome to the podcast. So happy to have you here today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, I'm really excited to have you here. And, you know, the whole grief process, there's, you know, there's two parts to grief. There's the grief of when you go through a brain injury, you grieve the old self. You know, it's not a a literal death, um, but it's still grief. You know, you grieve the person that you used to be. And then there's, on top of that, there's grief with a brain injury, um, the grief of a loved one. And I have not yet experienced that, but I have heard from some of my survivor friends that it is just, you know, something totally different than they expected. Um, So I'm really excited to talk with you today about these different subjects. 
Um, but first, Rita, I'd love to just get your background on how you came to working with grief. Um, I'm sorry. Um, you were kind of in and out just that last thing you said. Sorry. Um, um, I would just for you to share how your background and how you came to working with grief. Oh, okay. Um, how I became, uh, became working with grief was, um, I guess, I just have dealt with a lot of deaths myself. I have had about 34 deaths in my lifetime. Um, and uh, they're all the people that I've known, my family and friends. And so I've just been around it a lot. Um, and it just kind of was one of those things that um, I was always drawn to. And and I just love to help people through the process and the journey, which is a never-ending journey. Um, you do learn to adjust to your new normal that you have to create. Um, and so I do work with a lot of – I also was with hospice for quite a while. Um, and so my journey has just been along the way pretty much throughout my life. Um, and then I decided to go back for my master's program in uh, – and concentrate on uh, grief and death as well as many other subjects in that field. Um, so that was my journey was just pretty much everything I could remember about having a lot of deaths in my lifetime. Um, but uh, as far as the brain injury, um, I do work with quite a few clients that has brain injuries um, and uh, multiple ones or just one of them. And so the correlation between both the death of a loss a loved one, as well as a brain injury, uh, you have quite a few similarities. Yeah. And so I would love to, maybe like that's a great starting point just to jump off from Mm -hmm. where, you know, the parallels of grief um, with a brain injury, like, you know, like I said earlier, um, you, you basically have to grieve the old self and, you know, in my experience of working with, um, brain injury survivors, I'm finding that you have to like find a way to work through that grief before you can even really begin to heal. Um, And, and maybe, you know, maybe there's sort of a parallel there, like in order to heal, you Mm -hmm. have to go through the grief and get through the grief, you have to heal, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but what, you know, from your perspective, what are you seeing with that? Well, um, uh, a lot of people always, you know, use that statement, um, you know, time heals, you know, all, you know, or just give us some time mm, to heal. Yeah, well, right. I, I do find with grief, this is not a good a good line to use with anyone right. or a good statement because it does not just heal because time happens. It's what you do with your time. And I do find that um, with a TBI or brain injuries, rather, as well as a death of a loved one, you have to work with grief meaning what you just kind of said, what do you do? Uh, A a correlation to me, or rather something similar, would be I call it disenfranchised grief. And I like uh, that's one term in the grief world that I believe a brain injury is similar. Uh, So say a disenfranchised grief in the the world of death would be, say, you have an ex, ex, um, you know, ex, husband or ex-wife died and then but you've had children with them that they died and then you're going to the funeral and people don't think maybe you should be there 
say, because you're not married to them anymore. Well, that's called disenfranchised grief because society thinks you should not be, you know, grieving as hard or maybe it shouldn't be something, Mm -hmm. it should be, you know, that important to you. Well, with me, when I see the brain injury world, you can't necessarily always see a brain injury. Is that correct? Right. You just can't. Right. So people don't really, so people, it's a disenfranchised. So they're like, well, what are you grieving? You look normal. You look fine. Right. But you are grieving. You're grieving so much because you're grieving your whole entire life changing, your whole world changing. And that means even your close friends, even your family members are just waiting for you to get back to normal. They're just going, well, you look fine. So we're just waiting for you to get back to normal. People that have had a death of a loved one are just waiting for you to get back to normal. But what people don't understand is you um, will never be normal again. You have to create a new normal. And it's a new normal you never wanted. You don't want it with the death of a loved one, and you don't want it with a brain injury. You actually want what you had. And so disenfranchised grief, I believe, it fits perfectly into um, the population that people have a brain injury because, again, people don't think you should be grieving. What on earth are you grieving? But yet your whole world has changed. Um, And so, again, we call it secondary losses in the grief world as well. Primary loss would be the brain injury. Primary loss would be the death of a loved one. Secondary losses is everything you deal with past that. So secondary losses is everything, not remembering did you brush your teeth, not remembering where you put your keys, not remembering I can't remember what I just said a few minutes ago. I don't know, um, even in in the world of grief, your short-term memory is completely gone for quite a while. You're in a fog. You have less patience. You also aren't very kind at times because guess what? You're tired. You're more fatigued. So you're cognitively fatigued, as you know, with a brain injury. But in the grief world as well, with the death, a loved one, you're just fatigued and exhausted emotionally, mentally, spiritually, or physically, everything. But I believe that's also the same for the brain injury world as well. You're just exhausted a lot because everything takes more time. So there's, I mean, the correlations are huge because, as you know, well, at least this is what I see the world as, we do live in a grief-avoidant society a lot. <laughs> and so we do honor or we like productivity, efficiency. Let's just go push it out. Come on, let's just get going. And when you have a brain injury or when you have a death of a loved one, your world stops for quite a long time. So the whole grieving process is so interesting with brain injury. You know, some people, it, you know, for me, it took about a year, I'd say. And, you know, I've met other people who are still grieving, and they're 10, 15 years out. So there's really no, no right or wrong way. There's no true time timeline, you know. Um, and so... What are, what are some, I don't know if you want to say tips, but what are some ways to help someone who is struggling with, you know, a brain injury and the whole grieving process of who they used to be? Well, some of the tips would be exactly kind of what you just said was you are grieving you. You're grieving the loss of you. You're grieving who you have been, what you have been, maybe what you can do in the future. You're having to recreate 
everything new practically. Um, and so be gentle with yourself. Give yourself permission to be exactly where you need to be. Um, I try to tell people, do not try to make other people comfortable around us because we do tend to want to do that a lot of times. And this is not the time that you need to make other people comfortable. You need to take care of yourself. So self-care is one of the biggest things that we can do when we are grieving the life that we are trying to recreate something new and that we have lost. And self-care can look like all kinds of ways. And if you think about having a brain injury, this is a lifetime of trying to figure yourself out and then you get to the point where you're doing really great at times and then all of a sudden something else may come up. And just like with your grieving the death of a loved one as well, you're discovering along the way, even some year or two years later or so, oh my gosh, I can't do this now. Or either, oh, I have to do this differently. So, so it's always an ongoing learning process. And so just to give yourself permission to try to be okay where you're at and acknowledge the fact that you are different and what can I do now and how, you know, to help myself. But also I need to figure out maybe a new support system. I have found more, many people have to create a new support system. And so that's why uh, your books, um, even your Facebook and, and all of the things that you are doing um, in other organizations to be aware of how hard this is. To, to surround yourself with people like-minded that can get you because what we need to do in society is feel like we belong and that people just get us, you know, whatever it is you're going through. Nobody wants to be in the grief world, okay, at the club. We call it the grief club. Nobody really wants to be in that ever, but when you're in it, you're in it, and it's something you never can forget. It, it creates, it, 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 I guess, transforms you into this other person, and um, someone like you, um, Amy, would be, um, I call it an instrumental griever because um, we have intuitive, and that's in the book that I wrote, uh, that chapter seven, co-wrote with um, that chapter with Joanne Cohen. Um, and instrumental griever is someone that likes tasks and projects and will do something about whatever it is they're going through and move forward. Not that you're not grieving and you're not the emotional side of it. It's just that there are different types of uh, grievers, right? So intuitive and instrumental are two different types. Instrumental are the ones that will put together different kind of venues to try to help people because they're just driven that way. Um, and then intuitive people um, tend to, um, they express and experience their emotions in a different way than instrumental. And then a lot of people are a combination of both, bottom line, really. So trying to maybe figure out who you are with that also. Um, the, in, in the chapter that I, I wrote, uh, co-wrote, it gives you tips about how to help other people help you when you're going mm-hmm. through grieving mm-hmm. your life. And it tells you, be honest with them. Advocate for yourself. Say, look, I might not want to show up for this party because I might not have slept that well or maybe I'm just exhausted, but could I go ahead and say, yes, I will go, but at the last minute, would you be okay if I cancel out? 
you know, if this is not like some event that you have to pay tickets for or something. So it's almost like having to recreate yourself in a way that you take care of you more than you ever have in your life. And when you have a brain injury, I believe that is the time that we have to do that. And a lot of times we're just not very good at taking care of ourselves. And yeah. so this is uh, the tip. The tip is we have to really take care of ourselves. And that's a lot of work sometimes. And yet it's, it's imperative, I can tell you, when you have a brain injury to say, okay, what do I need now that I'm different? And it's okay to be that way. And it's going to take me a long time. And I need to surround myself with safe people who will allow me to be that way. Mm, I love that. Being around safe mm. people that will allow me to be that way. That's, um, that's a really great quote. I, you know, I, I'm sure you hear it all the time that after a brain injury, so many friends and family, um, they just drift yeah. away. And, you know, it's uh, really, really interesting because, you know, for me, I was a very active, I was a professional photographer. I was very active in my community and it was some of my best friends that I thought would be there Mm -hmm. for me no matter what happened. I thought they'd be the first ones to like, you know, bring me soup or something. And (laughs) they were just gone and just like radio Mm -hmm. silent. And some of them said really mean things, but it just like blew my mind that these people I thought would be there for me were just gone. And, you know, I know in hindsight, some of it, they just didn't, understand they don't get it you know um, sometimes we just don't know what to say and you know I just anyone listening who is maybe just a friend or a family member you know it's okay to not know what to say but don't just say nothing you know say okay you know I don't yes. really understand mm-hmm. what you're going through but I'm here for you you know mm-hmm. like I mean you right. don't have to know <laughs> what to say you don't have to know how to console us um, but believe us <laughs> please, you know, like, you know, I get it. Like mm-hmm. I was still able to talk, walk, function. I had no choice, but to keep working, you know, self-employed, you don't work, you don't pay the bills. Mm-hmm. So people just assume exactly. that I must be fine mm-hmm. and, and, or just like trying to milk attention or something. I eat it. You know, who knows what was going through their mind. Um, but I hear it over and over and over from people and, um, you know, that, I think that's why that's, 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 that's where my passion comes from is the people mm-hmm. that really just, you know, turn their backs on me. I don't want other people to feel that. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm well, so passionate well, you know, about awareness. Yeah. Well, I know, um, the years I've been working with people that have, uh, of grief, I mean, just grief is everything. If you think about grief, uh, grief is the loss of what you don't have anymore, the loss of what you didn't get, also the loss of what you will never have, uh, the fear of loss, okay? So grief is pretty much everything that we go through in life. I believe the moment we're born, we go through loss. Even at two years old, we have the, you know, the separation anxiety. And because <laughs> now we no longer have that one sound and body that we heard if we if we are lucky enough to have that mother around us a lot or whoever is caregiving us right so you're absolutely right there's not one person all these years I've been doing this that has not said to me with uh, said to me I am so blown away and disappointed that the 
one or two people I thought would be there no matter what, oh my goodness, they've disappeared or either they're just yeah. not there. And so, so again, it's because, and it's not, I don't, honestly, it's because they just don't know. It's, and I tell mm-hmm. people, well, before you had the death or before you had a brain injury or before you had, you know, the different other things that has come up for you, did you know? how hard it was. And they're like, well, no. And so if you don't know that, well, then you don't know what you don't know. So I believe um, it's okay to educate the people around us if they're willing to listen. Sometimes they're not. But educating people is just saying, hey, you know, um, the way you said that really made it hurt my feelings. Or maybe the way you said that, I didn't appreciate that. And, you know, I would just like it if you could just kind of be there. I don't really need advice. Um, I think it's hard sometimes to be that way because we have to change. And what does happen, I'm quite sure, because you know you've been through this, that you do transform into a different person. You do begin to advocate for yourself in a whole other way because you have to. Because the world around you and everybody around you has changed. Well, you've changed, but they don't know what you're going through. So people will tell you and say the most ridiculous things to you and it's very hurtful and very painful and you feel very isolated and again that is why we need to sometimes create another community support system you still keep your support system you have if you want it okay some of them you may not (laughs) I mean after a while but you also create a new one where people will get you and you can be who you need to be, say what you need to say, and you feel safe around them. And again, we, if you think about it, we want to feel safe around those people of anyone that we spend enough time with. And a lot of times that just doesn't happen when you have a brain injury. And so it's very difficult. But it's also, I guess, just understanding that people don't get it and it's okay to model healthy grieving when you have a brain injury. And that's yeah. pretty much saying, look, I'm not the same. And look, give me time. Or either I don't know, I, I may not, never be that energetic again. So uh, you might just need to work with that. <laughs> I may not be the planner and plan all the social mm-hmm. events the way I used to. <laughs> and just say, get over that. If you can't plan it, well, then maybe we have to find someone else that can. Um, or maybe you just don't do those things anymore. And can you be my friend through it? Or can you be the family member through it? And this is the new me. And that is not easy because as you're going through a brain injury, you're, you're not liking for a long time the new you that you're having to develop. You don't want it. And yet, so you have to come to terms with yourself on that. But that takes a long time. And there, again, there's no time frame when you're grieving. And it's Always adjusting, always adjusting again, and then adjusting again. So we are adjusting to our new lifestyle. We're adjusting to our new normal because you're having to recreate your new self, um, and it's not when you want it. You didn't ask for that. And so then you have to deal with your emotions of anger, sometimes jealousy. When you see other people mm, doing the things yeah. you used to do, you get jealous. You get, you get resentful. I mean, believe me, it's all in there. And so one of the things I tell people to do is sometimes if we live with people, um, it's hard to kind of be ourselves all the time. Sometimes we just need to scream or yell or just have a good cry. I tell people, go into your car, bring a pillow, a box of tissues, 
maybe a pad and pencil, and then just go around the corner or in your garage and just start crying or screaming or yelling. And because you need to get those emotions out, we need to start moving stuff through our bodies because sometimes we get stuck. And sometimes we cannot do that, obviously, around people in the home. And so use your car. I, I call it, I love my car for that. <laughs> it's my, my emotional releasing place. My car and I have been oof, friends for a long time <laughs> with that. It's, and, it, and it's actually it a really good place to release the emotions. And when you're angry, it's okay to be angry. Give yourself permission to be angry. You know what? Anybody would be angry having to recreate a new normal that you did not want. Yeah. And I tell people, let's do that. You know, I do anger exercises uh, with my session because you can get angry at a lot of things, your life, what's happened, people, everything. And so um, the car is a great place for that. I'm just going to really say that again. (laughs) I just want to, like, reiterate this whole last that you're talking about, about anger and jealousy and, you know, I mean, some of that is the brain injury itself, right? And some of that is what you're saying. It's part of the grief process. So, you know, I hear often a spouse, the spouse of a a brain injury survivor, um, they get frustrated because the survivor is angry all the time. And I think anger is the hardest thing for a spouse to deal with. Um, And, you know, it's, it's really interesting how I never had thought about that, that grief process as part of the anger. I only like looked at it from the, the injury perspective, but you're so right, you know, and then you put those two together. Let's say they already have anger as a result of the brain injury, but now they also have anger from the grief process and it's sort of a double whammy, right? Um, you know, yes. so what <laughs> tips would you have for that spouse? You know, like they're not angry at you per se. They're angry, you know, they're angry at the world. They're angry at the accident. They're angry at what happened to them. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so what, what advice would you have for that spouse or, or, you know, the family or the friend, whoever it may be? Mm-hmm. I, I think just by what you just said, you didn't understand that. You didn't see that connection, right? You didn't see that comparison, so to speak. It's about you having to tell somebody, your family or your spouse, say, look, I'm not angry at you. It's having that real conversation. I mean, just get right down to it, right? Call the elephant in the room. Look, I am an angry person right now. Understand that it's not about you. And yet sometimes it is about you because you're wanting me to kind of do these things sometimes too, right? And I can't do them. I can't even remember, right? So sometimes it's about the spouse taking care of themselves, and that means working on their own emotions. You see, they can be angry yeah. too that everything in their family has changed, that their spouse is different, or that their their kids are treating them different, or that everyone's disappeared on them, or now that, you know, all the kind of things that happen. And so it's about the people understanding, I'm not okay with this lifestyle change. It's affected me too. And I'm sorry it happened to you and you had the brain injury, but it's affected me too. And so it's having that really honest, raw dialogue 
that mm-hmm. sometimes we don't do because we don't want to hurt each other's feelings because that person with the brain injury already is going through enough. But let me tell you, if you can open that dialogue and start beginning to be real with each other, it will relieve so much tension. Yeah. And then and, what you, you know, might I, do, honestly, what you might do also, you might do the anger exercises together. I tell people, get a punching bag. Seriously, <laughs> if that's something yeah. you can handle. Yeah. I mean, I tell people, get a punching bag or take a pillow, hit your bed. I mean, I mean, work together with it to say, hey, yes, this is real. We're not okay at times. I am angry. And so sometimes the spouse and the family members need to also listen to themselves and address their own fears. The fear, see, spouses, family members, children that even have their parents that are going through a brain injury, they're fearful. They're afraid. What does this mean for me? See, that's really what's going on. People are afraid because the unknown now has happened. And nobody knows what's going to be forward, moving forward. What does this mean? So fears make a lot of us afraid, which also creates pain, hurt, um, anger, jealousy. It creates everything. Because think about when we are in a fearful world, right, in our own minds, even around us, we react differently. And so that's what I believe is missing sometimes is that it's hard to talk about that to each other because nobody really wants to say anything because we're always trying to make it better for each other or make it smooth. It's not smooth, bottom line, okay? No. <laughs> <It's just> not. <laughs> well, and, and I think, too, often the survivor doesn't have self-awareness. They don't even know that they're being so angry, right? And they do not. So that's where the spouse or, you know, family member, whoever, that's where they need to, like, gently explain, yeah. look, you're being really mean today, you know, and and opening that, opening that dialogue. And I think that's what's missing from, like, 90% of the situations. Um, you know, we're just we've become a society that just doesn't talk. Right. And that, that no, doesn't just, help we'll see, anything. That, yeah, that open, that, that open dialogue is gone kind of, but I tell people this sometimes when you're running with high emotions, which we are usually when you're dealing with uh, some situations like we're talking about brain injuries and just grieving the grieving world, everyone is hyphen. Okay. You're in a hypervigilant state. Okay. Your body's in that high cortisol levels. I mean, it's just like revved. So I tell mm-hmm. people, if you're in that place, that is not when you want to be that real and honest. Okay. What you want to do <laughs> right. is right. But yeah, what you want to do is come at it when both are calm, but also maybe do some writing about what you feel and get more clarity about what it is you want to say to the person that maybe you've got some stuff with. And then maybe just write someone a letter because again, with brain injuries, sometimes they need to slow it down so they can read it. So they can see it over and over, so they can understand. So sometimes I tell people, write each other letters for a while. If you're not used to having that open dialogue, write letters to each other. But when you write the letter, really read it yourself again, because sometimes we're accusatory, right? And so always use the I message. Always use the message coming from the I feel or I I, I am afraid when this has happened, okay? And when this happens – and then this is how I feel, and I'm not sure what to do with that. And I tell people, take the you, you, you out. But when you mm-hmm. write, come from that place, from the heart, 
and maybe write and then hand it to the person with the brain injury or maybe someone in that realm because what happens is they can reread it and soak it in at their pace. Because sometimes when we talk to people, all we do is get defensive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and just cognitive processing too, you know. Exactly. Um, See, exactly. I really love that. That's why you want to write. Yeah. Yeah. I tell people all the time, let's let's write it. And sometimes they'll write it. And I say, well, let let me read it. Let me see how accusatory it is or defensive is. Because if you read it and you're getting defensive, trust me, the other person that's going to read yeah. it is going to be the same. Yeah. So it is about being very gentle with that. But sometimes I've told people, why don't you just write it out, what's going on? And sometimes they get, they get more clarity about what's happening for themselves. And then it mm-hmm. diffuses. Yeah. And then they don't have to actually give it to the person. Well, Rita, so we are a just lot about, of we are just about out of time and this has been such a fantastic discussion. Um but <laughs> I do wanna ask, you know, is there anything we didn't touch on or any any final thoughts that you have for our listeners? You know, I guess what I would like for people to know when you have your brain injuries is we are our own worst critic, and mm-hmm. so we criticize ourselves, we drive ourselves really very hard. And so I would ask and just please honor yourself like you would anyone else around you or your best yeah. friend or anyone, and honor yourself and say, give yourself permission to be exactly where you're at at that moment because you cannot be anywhere else, literally. You could try, but you're going to go backwards anyway. And so I would just say be real with yourself, be gentle with yourself, and love yourself like you would love somebody else, and what would you tell them? Would you be that critical and hard on yourself? And if you wouldn't, then talk to yourself like your own best friend and say, okay, what would I tell that person? And, And honestly, if you can go there more often, you might really be gentle with yourself a lot more because your world is so difficult and hard, and it's the journey is long. And it's not easy. And it's ongoing a lot, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of like with grief. I mean, you're always grieving something. And so I, I would say just be gentle with yourself, but also, be, you know, talk to yourself like you were your own best friend. Because if you think about it, you probably would be a lot more nicer. <laughs> right. And, you know, and and so do that. We just don't do that enough for ourselves because we yeah, kind of drive. We, we, people in general tend to drive ourselves pretty hard. So, but yeah, we um, I want to tell you, critics. we are. And and so, but I would also say thank you for having me. I appreciate you being willing to have me on um, your podcast. And I love helping people. I love. I just love being able to to help someone through their journey when it is so difficult. Um, anytime mm-hmm. I could ever help people like you, that's why you started this. You just want to be helpful, you know, and do your best to help someone through their journey. And it's a hard one. It's very isolating yeah. at times. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Rita, thank you so much. This has been such a wonderful <laughs> conversation, such great <laughs> advice. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode with Rita. And just a quick reminder, I do have a link in the show notes um, to Joanne's book that Rita um, does have some thoughts 
in chapter seven of. Um, so that is in the show notes, the link, the Amazon link. And just another reminder, you can always catch all of our past episodes at facesoftbi.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And don't forget to join Amy's TBI tribe on Facebook and hang out with a group of other like-minded survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. And another big thank you to the Functional Neurology Center. You can find them online at thefunctionalneurologycenter.com. Thanks again for listening, and thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone, and I will see you all again next time.